Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding, Ken's Movie Review Edition. This week, we will be covering Quentin Tarantino's newest film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. As always, at the very beginning, I will go through it spoiler-free, giving a general idea of whether I think you should see this film in the studio theaters, or whether you should wait for it to stream on Netflix, Amazon, wherever it might end up, whether you should maybe wait for it to be on television partially and badly edited, or whether you should ignore it altogether. Then, in the heavy spoiler section, we will go over the film with a fine-tooth comb. I will apply my scientific but not really method in order to break it down and tell you exactly where I think it hits in terms of quality. Now, of course, this is all subjective, but the most important thing to remember is that I'm still right. All right, let's get into it at the very beginning. So, this film... Uh, I was pretty excited for Quentin Tarantino is one of my favorite directors and he's made some really good stuff that I've really enjoyed in the past. So I tried to go in with, you know, an even mind and not have any preconceptions, but I couldn't help but be mildly excited because of both who was directing the film and who was going to be in the film. Now, did I think it met up to my expectations? I don't know if it really could. Um, was it a film that I think that you should see in the theaters? Um, if you're a fan of Tarantino, yeah, yeah, probably so. Um, if you are a fan of movies that kind of go over something that happened in real life and make a version of it, well, definitely, because that falls right into it. There have been a ton of them recently, um, but for the most part, no, I really don't think this is a movie that needs to be seen in the theater. Uh, I may be in the minority on this, um, but I don't think the theater experience really brought anything to it. Um, I mean, supporting your your favorite people is always a good thing, but just in terms of sheer experience, I don't think that it brought anything to it. Is it something that you should watch on streaming, possibly buy on Blu-ray? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a solid film and has a lot of positives going for it. It's maybe not the the incredibly interesting thing that I really wanted it to be, but it's still more than watchable. It's it's an enjoyable film. Uh, I'll put it that way. Now, before I get into the to the basic breakdown uh, of everything, I'm going to go over what that system is. But of course, before I get to that, I want to remind everyone that doesn't already know. It is very easy to find us on social media in case you want to keep up with all things Pudding Guys. We are on Twitter as at Real Pudding Guys. We are on most other social media sites that uh, tend to get the most traction like Facebook or Instagram as at Pudding Guys. We even now have a Patreon page. This is something I want everybody to know about. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell mild acquaintances that might have some extra spending money because we need your help. Just a little bit of money each month can help us put together new content, new features, be able to bring in interesting guests to talk to. It's only right now a dollar per month because I know it's one of those things where it may be just a little difficult to find uh, extra money to spend on those things. And I don't want to be that guy that says, yes, it's a million dollars a month. That's not us. Just one dollar a month. You can't even buy a soda for that. And you can help putting guys put on something cool. But on to the show. So, as always, we will break down this into multiple categories. We'll have cast that will be worth up to 20 points. Costuming and props can be up to 10. Location, up to 10. Cinematography, up to 20. 
plot and writing up to 20. It all adds to a total of 100, so you'll get a score very much reminiscent of being something you might have seen in high school. Well, let's start. Start with the, start with the beginning, right? Um, we'll go with the cast. That's where I tend to like to start. And man, is this cast kind of amazing. Uh, one of the, probably the biggest strength uh, of the film. I mean, obviously, you've got Leonardo DiCaprio. If you don't know who that is, you've been living under a rock for a very long time. Uh, plays the lead role of Rick Dalton, a, uh, a film actor, television actor that's maybe a little past his prime. You've got uh, Brad Pitt. Uh, again, if you don't know who that is, I, I, I don't know what I can do for you. Uh, playing the part of Cliff Booth, uh, his stunt man that he keeps with him pretty much at all times, lifelong amigos, buddies. Uh, you've got Margot, uh, Margot Robbie. Uh, she is uh, playing the part of Sharon Tate. Um, not the, not the first time we've seen her in a, in, in a movie in the last few years. And she always seems to do a really good job. I mean, she was in suicide squad. I thought she was a pretty decent Harley Quinn, uh, Wolf of wall street. She did great in that film. Uh, generally really, really solid. Um, Emil Hirsch, I was really happy to see was in this. Uh, he's in a couple of movies that I happen to enjoy. I mean, it's been a lot more than that, but the two that always ring out for me, uh, the air I breathe and the girl next door, one of my favorite uncomfortable comedies of all time. In fact, that kind of leads me to bring in one of the other people I was really happy to see in this Timothy Oliphant, uh, who plays, uh, James Stacy. Um, you might know him from the television show Justified or the Santa Clary to Diet. Uh, he was in one of the Die Hard movies, um, but he was also in Girl Next Door, which the two of them played off each other so well in that movie. It was kind of sad that I didn't get to see a scene with them in the same, you know, in the same scene. But you know, it was really nice to see both of them in this film. Uh, you got uh, uh, Margaret Qualley who played Pussycat. Um, I don't really know her from anything particularly, but she kind of you know, nailed it. Uh, you got Julia Butters as Trudy, uh, kind of the precocious kid actress um, who was really, really strong in this. Uh, you've got uh, Austin Butler as Tex. Uh, Dakota Fanning was in there. Uh, she was uh, She was really big for quite some time, still is. Uh, she did really excellent as Squeaky. Uh, Bruce Dern as uh, George Spawn. Now, kind of an interesting thing. Not a lot of people will, will immediately know the name Bruce Dern, but look him up on IMDb. As soon as you see his picture, you will know who he is. He has been in everything. He's been in movies since the 60s, uh, and he's pretty much awesome in anything that he's ever involved in. And he was good in this too, even if he had a very small role. And another kind of fun side note, uh, they talk about uh, Dalton being in uh, guest starring spots in television shows. One of the kind of the fun little things, he was uh, doing a guest spot that was prevalently showed, uh, or prominently I should say, showed uh, doing FBI. Well, that's something that Bruce Dern was in for some episodes. Um, you've got, uh, Mike Moe as Bruce Lee, who did a fantastic Bruce Lee. Now, if you don't know him, he was Triton in the ill-fated Inhumans television show. He's also been an empire, but he, he had uh, the persona of Bruce Lee down in this, uh, Luke Perry was in it. Uh, the, the late great Luke Perry, uh, Damian Lewis as Steve McQueen. You might know him from Band of Brothers or Dreamcatcher or Homeland, 
uh, Al Pacini as Marvin Schwarz, uh, Harley Quinn Smith, daughter of Kevin Smith, who's really started uh, coming on strong in her career and, and finding stuff. You had Kurt Russell in it. You had Michael Madsen in it. I mean, it was just crazy. And that's just scratching the surface. I mean, there were a bunch more. I'm just kind of naming a handful of people to illustrate how many uh, name name recognizing people that do really good work are in this film. And they all did really good work. Um, I didn't really see anybody that seemed to be phoning it in. Everybody was uh, doing some really good, really good acting and uh I, I was very impressed by by not only the the people that were obtained for the film, but just how kind of dead on uh, it seemed that each of them were made for the roles that they that they were performing. So all in all, you can't get much better casting than this. Uh, I've got to give it an eighteen out of twenty on that. It's just just fantastic. Everybody did a fant- a really good job. And truthfully, even if you cut out most of those names, if you just had DiCaprio and Pitt in it, I'll watch them. You know, paint a living room for two hours, and they'll they'll knock it out of the park. So uh, just just really really good. Uh, director uh, Quentin Tarantino. Um, like I said, one of my favorite directors, I love seeing him in stuff. Uh, and that produced a lot of hype in my mind, especially since he, uh, by his own words is kind of winding down his movie career. So this might be one of the last films that he makes. Um, so did that add some extra, uh, hype in my mind? Yeah, definitely. So hard to live up to that. But it also created some extra hype in my mind. I want to get out to the theaters and see it because that's just kind of the kind of the guy that I am. Um, he tends to have an interesting style. He's got an attention to detail that I really appreciate, and I think I saw it in this film. Uh, he tends to have, from what I can tell, pretty good rapport with the people that he works with. He's able to to bring out. If you're a good performer, it seems like you do a great performance for him. If you're an okay performer, you do a good performance for him. I mean, it's he tends to make people better that, that work around him, at least from everything that I've seen. Um, now, obviously, I'm a guy on the outside, and I can be completely wrong about that, but I don't think I am. I think he's he's pretty awesome, a guy I'd love to, to meet and uh, get to, get a chance to, to scratch into the uh, into the depths of his history and knowledge at some point, but uh, in terms of the actual again, in terms of the direction, such a strong cast, uh, having everybody just be kind of on point, you can't do much better than that. And I think there were some some misses here and there. I I think that there was a problem, a small one, in how the the film was laid out. He he often likes to do some unconventional, maybe unconventional is not the right word anymore, but some atypical things in, in how he puts movies together. Um, in this particular instance, the movie flows in one very specific way for the majority of the film, for almost two-thirds of the film, maybe more. Uh, and then the the framing and the presentation changes at the very last day where everything's in real life supposed to go to hell. Um, so it's a little, it's, it's a little off putting in some ways. Um, if you're not ready for it, normally I like that sort of thing. It didn't have the same feel to me in this one. It just didn't, I don't think it served any real purpose. It didn't, didn't lend to any, 
tension that I should be feeling in coming into this, putting the uh, the time of day where everybody's doing everything and changing the pacing. It, it, it didn't really, I don't think it really helped. I don't think it necessarily hurt anything, but maybe just maybe just little, uh, it, it, it was enough to throw me off. So I kind of take a couple points away from that. I, I also kind of take a couple points away from the direction they went with the end of the film. I don't know if that was Tarantino or whether it was uh, somebody else's idea to, to end it the way that they ended it. But we'll get to that. Um, but for the most part, it pretty fantastic. Uh, he always at least does a, a, a decent job. Uh, I, I have not seen a film that he's made where I've uh, been disappointed I've spent my time on it. So um, I'll probably give him a 17 out of 20 on that one. Pretty high for that. Costuming and props. Um, they did fantastic in costuming and props on this. I mean, it's a period piece, so it's not like you're doing things in the Renaissance. It's not that long ago, but at the same time, that also you would think would make it easier. In some ways, it makes it harder in others because you've got to get you've got to get that feel, that time frame just right. And you know, doing something whether it's the '60s or the '70s, um, it's 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 a very specific feel. You've got to have the right kind of cars. You've got to have the right kind of clothes. They had that. They had several close-up shots on dog food cans and food boxes and signs to establishments and everything was just on point but not um not just that but the i mean you've got you're making a movie about people that make movies so having that kind of behind that meta interface uh you almost have to be even more right than it was at the time that it was made for it to kind of come across as being right at least that's the way it always appears to me and and they had that the the color scheme was just fantastic the um the all of the clothing like i said was just kind of dead on there were no for the most part there were no big props to speak of that really had to be paid attention to the flamethrower was one that was nice <laughs> it was really cool and well done um uh, that that was definitely huge but for the most part there weren't really any specific props that just jumped out at me i mean i guess you could say the cars were, were one of the big pieces and they did fantastic with the cars um but there was just so much of it and that to me is what was really impressive because they were going from set to set they were going between uh home and uh, a variety of different environments. They were jumping ahead time. They were jumping from country to country, and then the attire is different for the country. It was all just like dead on. It was it was so good. Um, I was very impressed. It's one of the rare instances that I, I probably have to give a 10 out of 10 because I didn't see anything that just jumped out of me as wrong or awful or even slightly off. It was just all on. It all looked really, really good. Um Location kind of talked about that a little bit. So many locations. You've got the the residences uh, of uh, of Rick Dalton and his neighbor Sharon Tate and and uh, and uh, Polanski. Um, you've got the uh, the ranch. Uh, it's not really a ranch, but uh, uh, the old set. That's the Spawn Ranch, uh, where you know they've got run down what used to be a saloon, run down what used to be set props but it's where all the the manson family is living you've got uh the 
sets on the airplane. You got the sets in the studio. You got the, you know, just so many locations they go to. And they, for the most part, avoided my uh, least favorite thing that uh, happens in movies where they have to print up the name of where you are in every location. They did it like once, uh, but it was for an important reason. So what that didn't bother me too much. Um, but I mean, th- just a great variety of different things. That's one of the things that I, I would, again, I like about the way Tarantino approaches things. He has a lot of that variety. Um, now, sometimes that can make things a little muddled. I don't really think that happened in, in this instance. Um, but you know, just again, solid all around nine out of 10, um, cinematography. Uh, this is an area where, uh, Tarantino films can really shine. I mean, you think about Kill Bill, uh, or you think about Pulp Fiction, uh, something along those, right? He takes a lot of, uh, interesting chances on, on these films. Now, this one, not so much. This one's pretty straightforward in pretty much everything. I mean, you got standard two shots. You've got uh, some tracking. I mean, it's it's all normal stuff, but that's not a bad thing. I, I didn't see anything that just kind of amazed me or that was that was a tricky shot. But it's it's not that kind of film. It just didn't didn't work in the same kind of way. Um, really, not a lot to say about it. I mean, I think. I could be wrong about this, but it felt like they put some sort of color plate on it, something to adjust the the way that the uh, the way that the film came across as not being quite crystal clear, almost uh, having having a yellowed aged kind of feel to it. That could have just been in my mind. Maybe he just did. Everyone did such a good job that it's supposed to be old, so my brain just filled that in. It could definitely be that, but it felt. It felt like there was some effect that was being put over it just to be, just to give it that kind of a feel. Um, so this is one of those instances where I don't really have a lot of positive or negative to say. Everything was solid. Nothing jumped out at me as being just ridiculous, but nothing really was amazing either. That's always like a 15 out of 20 on cinematography to me. Now on to the meat of things. This is where the, the movie lives or dies, uh, plot and writing. Um Okay, so for those that are not familiar with the basis of this film, um, in in real history, obviously Charles Manson and, and a uh, handful of other people were involved in some pretty grisly affairs. Um, Sharon Tate, uh, among several other individuals, were murdered uh, as a direct result of what Manson um, what Manson ordered. So in my mind, I thought that this was going to be maybe kind of a side-by-side comparison. Let's let's take things from not only the perspective of the people that were going to be killed, but also the next-door neighbor. Uh, and then once it started focusing so heavily on Dalton and Booth, uh, it's like, oh, well, then it's just going to be, you know, from their perspective uh, to see what horrible things happened on that night. And... I was not expecting the direction that it went. Um, the the swerve to change history and have the Manson family members, instead of going up to uh, the estate that they went into in real life and instead stopping at Rick Dalton's house and being mauled by dogs and blowtorched uh, by a flamethrower, that... Um, 
that was a little surprising. I'm I'm still trying to process it. I'm not sure I understand what was trying to be accomplished by it. Um, in in one side of my in one side of my head, I, I kind of applaud. It's like you if you're watching Titanic, you know how it ends. The boat's going to sink. So anybody that knows history going into this, and like I did, in my mind, it's like, okay, so they're going to die at the end. So what are they going to do with that? And to completely change that up, that's a surprise. But at the same time, the other side of my brain is yelling at me is that's not what happened. Uh, why did he change it? What is the purpose of this? I mean, there's an entire industry around uh, alternate history novels. And that's the first thing that kind of jumped to my mind is like, it's like an alternate history, but that's not what it's advertised as exactly. Um, so I kind of went in with one expectation and got something different. Um, I mean, the execution of it was good, but because of the end result of what happened, it left me feeling uneasy, uh, just kind of off at the end of the film. It's uh, emotionally, it, it was a little frustrating. Um, that could just be my own personal problem on that. But I think that is, it's, in my mind, its biggest thing that, that makes it not as good to me. Instead of being amazing, it kind of detracted to being, oh, it's good. Um, it just, it just is um, just not, it doesn't sit well. And I think even if I watch it again, I'll be really impressed by all the things that I was already impressed by and then just unsatisfied with the ending. Um, now, talking about some of those other things, the dialogue in this is pretty sharp all throughout. It's, it's, it's well written. Um, there, there are a lot of really fun scenes uh, showing. Uh, it felt like a, almost like a, a character study. Uh, specifically of the Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth characters. Um, just kind of who they were, why they were the way that they were, how do they operate in this world, and the fact that this potential murder was going to happen was just kind of a secondary thing. Um, but uh, a series of you know coincidences and incidences that led them to be where they were at that time. Um, it was, in that sense, really, really nice the interactions between uh, those two as lifelong, uh, well, maybe not lifelong friends, but very long friends was done well. The fact that uh, that they kind of left it ambiguous whether Cliff Booth was actually a murderer or not uh, at the beginning, uh, or I should say it's more like a midpoint of the film, was, uh, was a good choice. Uh, that amb ambiguity allows you to... Um, make the character whatever you want it to be and allows the, uh, the, the viewer to kind of add their own um, biases and perspectives to it and, and not, uh, not affect anything. Um, but even the secondary cast, all of that was, was good. Another problem I had though, was because it started out as semi divided in the storytelling, the majority of it was following around Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. They're the leads. You got some of Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski, but what you got of them was very, very limited. Uh, and uh, uh, Jay Sebring and um, I'm, I'm spacing the name of the other gentleman right now. There was very, very little um, 
very little fleshing out of their characters. I mean, you knew almost nothing, uh, just straight from the movie anyway, almost nothing about Sebring by the end. You knew a little bit about Sharon Tate. You knew she was getting a book for her husband. She knew she, you knew she was going to have a kid. You knew she, that she was uh, in the movies and wanted to see people's reactions to her being in the movies. But that's about it. You didn't really get a lot of background on that. And that should have really been the first indicator to me that, that the movie was not going to turn out the way that I thought it was going to turn out. It just, I was always waiting. It's like, well, maybe he's going to fill it in here and, and go in a little different direction, but the focus was completely on, well, not completely, but the, the majority on uh, Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth. Um, but because of that, if you're going to divide your time like, like he did, I feel that there needs to be more meat behind it. Because there was so little payoff on that character placement, I'm not going to really call it character development because it really wasn't for the most part. And like I said, the, the Sharon Tate character was given a little bit of development, but not much. All of the development pretty much was heaped on uh, both Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio's characters. So it just felt like wasted time. Uh, it was more like, a, oh yeah, don't forget these other people are over here. And that just, it, it didn't work as well for me. But even with that, and even with the ending not kind of hitting the way that I wanted it to, Everything else was done so well, it it pretty much made up for it for the most part as, as something that was enjoyable. It's not something I'd likely pro maybe watch it one more time, possibly, just to get make sure that my impression of it is what I think it is. But, yeah, it's not one of those things that would be like an all-time classic um, that I would just want to watch over and over again. Um Anyway, I'd probably give that 11 out of 20. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it was a little disappointing in, in that side of it. Now, that total still puts it at a solid 80. That's a B minus. I got no bonuses, plus or minus. It's, it's pretty much just a solid 80, worth a watch for sure. Um, maybe just not something that I would make a perennial favorite or, or one of the best films of all time. But, uh, you know, solid all the way through. What do you think? Let us know. We have a website, www.everybodylovespudding.com. We have forums. You can leave your own personal reviews, your comments. We will respond. Uh, and, of course, I already mentioned the social media. Uh, feel free to give comments. Tell everybody about us. And until next time, enjoy the movies. Enjoy the movies.